Good Thursday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live in our building, the Macklin Building in downtown Charlottesville. From our studio, the I Love Seville storefront, right next to our beloved Market Street Market grocery store. Today's program is one I think you will enjoy. We will have an interview component in about 20 minutes with Tanya King, the executive director of the Living Free Together organization. We'll catch up on her mission and the team's mission and put the, uh, the efforts into a positive spotlight here on the network. We'll talk um, the top five Charlottesville city spots for housing development. There is some fantastic opportunity still left in a landlocked city. However, that opportunity is going to be quite expensive, and as a result, I think it's going to yield very expensive um, rental and purchasing options. We'll talk uh, 512 Ridge Street. That came up yesterday. I really want to unpack that. Our children, including uh, my wife and I's oldest, are either in school or heading to school. And I want to talk about cell phones in schools and perhaps a close and hard look on what the cell phone policy should be. From my standpoint, it's pretty clear cut. They should be disallowed, if not banned, within classrooms and hallways. But that's a topic that uh, we will unpack on today's show. I want to talk about the stay-at-home parent. One of the trends I'm seeing in Charlottesville, in Almaro County, in Central Virginia, and across many of my friends and family groups in the Commonwealth and outside of Virginia, is the stay-at-home parent, whether a mom and dad, is now entering the workforce as the cost of living is escalating. Credit card debt in America is at an all-time high. We know as the Fed raises rates, the credit card debt we have, which is floating, is becoming more expensive um, to maintain. Groceries still sting when we're at the checkout line. And I think we all have realized that old gasoline prices, a tax that we all feel pumping gas into our vehicles, is now right around $3.70 to $4 a gallon, depending on where you fill up your tank. So look, it's getting expensive to live. It's getting expensive to raise kids. You're seeing the stay-at-home parent returning to the workforce in a hybrid or fully remote environment. I want to unpack the impact that's going to have on Charlottesville, on Albemarle, and on Central Virginia on today's show. I want to give some props to one of our partners, the Charlottesville Police Department. They are hiring right now, the Charlottesville Police Department. Be the change you want to see within Mike Cotches' Charlottesville Police Department and consider joining the team. Fill these open positions and help continue the positive momentum that we've seen with Chief Cotches, the newly minted police chief, I think we posted a video yesterday of Chief Gotchis in a dunk tank. If you have that video that we can put on screen, that would be absolutely amazing. We showed two days ago a video of a three-on-three game and three-on-three basketball game in the 10th and Page neighborhood where we had community members and those wearing a badge playing basketball in positive fashion. It just it warmed my heart and made me very, very happy. What I want to do with the influence and the platform we have is change any of the stigmas that may still be lingering when it comes to this department and give Chief Cotches and his team members what should be a, a fresh start to really invigorate the department. Um, Judah Wickhauer is the director, J-Dubs. 
I'd like to go to the first topic, um, and that's cell phone use in public schools. I, I'm surprised that the ban has not happened. Um, and I hear from parents, Jerry, I get this actually quite a bit. Um, I, I know you're opposed to cell phones in schools and classrooms and hallways, but what happens if there's a safety issue in the hallway or the classroom? How will our children contact us to let them know they're either in danger and or okay and healthy? I empathize with the plight of, of school risk and intruders and all the dangers and collateral damage that goes with that. I do want to highlight that there was a time where kids didn't have cell phones on their person or cell phones at all, and things seemed to move along just fine. Um, I hear from teachers. We've interviewed them on this network. We've interviewed school board members. We've interviewed folks choosing to run for school board. And it seems like the consensus from leadership in the classroom teachers, administrators, school board members is, is a ban of cell phones or a disallowment of cell phones altogether. Why we're not at that point, I'm befuddled, I'm confused. Um, giving children, middle schoolers, high schoolers the opportunity to access their cell phones in a classroom setting is a distraction, undoubtedly. We are not seeing cell phone use and the distractions that accompany them in the private school ranks, certainly not as prolific or as frequent that we're seeing in the public school ranks. Perhaps it's time, and the teachers are asking for this, that the phones are disallowed altogether in hallways and in classrooms. I'd love for you guys to percolate that topic for a bit, please. We can always bring it back up in future programs. I may do that with some school board members um, that are running for election in future shows. Now, I want to highlight the stay-at-home parent phenomenon that we're seeing um, locally. I'm seeing this um, across the economic spectrum. I'm seeing this with, with families that are on the financial margin, middle-class families, upper-class families, higher stratosphere families as well from an income standpoint. The stay-at-home parent, whether it's for intellectual stimulation, whether it's for adult and human connection, whether it's for helping pay the household bills, the rise of the stay-at-home parent in the job force, in the workforce, is something that's becoming more frequent. And what is encouraging or driving momentum behind this phenomenon is the hybrid environment or the work remote environment. I'll unpack that for you. Employers are now offering potential employees the option of working hybridly or remote altogether. And employers are realizing that they can hire a 15, a 20, a 25 hour a week team member in a remote or hybrid setting and these team members are extremely well credentialed. They may have a little bit of a gap on their resume and maybe that gap is associated with child rearing, um, staying home with kids, maybe it's associated with pregnancies in close proximity. Maybe it's associated with a choice in 2019 or 2018 to stay home and the 
economic environment is very different now than it was in 2018 and 2019, way more costly now. I mean, I think if there's one word that's described 2023, that word is probably inflation. Anywhere we look, we can't get beyond that word. And as a result of that, rates are rising. And as rates rise, credit card debt becomes more expensive. We're seeing gasoline prices approaching all-time highs. We're seeing debt and households reach all-time high levels for America. So what's the impact of the stay-at-home parent entering the job force again? Well, the impact is employers have more leverage now. The employers who may have not had the stay-at-home parent as a potential option now is considering hiring a 15, a 20, or a 25-hour-a-week part-timer and giving the, them the option to work remotely from their house. And as that becomes more and more of a reality, and we're seeing that locally, the impact is those that were full-time in the job market are trying to climb the vertical totem pole of the job market now face more competition. There's stiffer competition out there. And as every year goes by and as another graduating class enters the workforce and is primed to work at price points maybe others will not, the competition is getting greater and greater and greater. You look at the job market and you look at job availability nationally, that number is slimmer and slimmer and slimmer and smaller and smaller and smaller because people are filling these positions. Positions that were open during the pandemic and during COVID are now getting full. And those jobs aren't necessarily the front, front line jobs. We covered this yesterday. Restaurants, hospitality, music, those jobs continue to remain open. And folks that rely on labor for those type of companies and models, they're gonna have to automate or they're gonna have to make their payroll a little bit more lean. But jobs that are more business setting, that give the part-timer the opportunity to work from home remotely with a laptop on their lap, sitting on their couch in their PJs, these positions are being filled and they're being filled very quickly. I can make an argument right now that the white collar jobs that are out there have more labor competition than we have seen since before the pandemic. And that competition is becoming more robust as stay-at-home parents enter the workforce, either for human connection, adult con uh, connection, intellectual stimulation, or to help cover the household budget and overhead. I'll open up your thoughts to that, these topics, if you'd like to join in with the discussion, put your comments in the feed, and I will relay your perspective live on air. Johnny Ornalis, we appreciate you sharing the show. We look forward to meeting you for cocktails next week at Vivace. I'm looking forward to that, my friend. Um, this question has come in, or this statement has come in from Sloan in Richmond, and she says, Jerry, you are exactly right. In our household, um, I've chosen to go back to work from a 20-hour-a-week standpoint, one of the reasons I have chosen to do this is to help with the overhead in our house and because I miss interacting with adults and not just being around um, toddlers and our elementary age children. If you could highlight what you think this will do for those coming out of the college environment, I'd be curious of your thoughts and your opinion. 
I'll, I'll unpack that, and I appreciate your comment right there. Um, I think the, the college graduates that are coming into the workforce, the ones that just graduated, are entering a labor market that is one of the most competitive we've seen in some time. You have chat GBT, artificial intelligence, the ubiquitous and approachable nature of technology and, and computers, and, and you have underemployed folks that are taking jobs, part-timers that are taking jobs, and folks that are doing it at price points that may not have done in 2018 and 2019, making this market extremely competitive for youthful folks. Gen Zers, Zillennials, that hybrid between Millennials and Gen Z, the young Millennials, the old Gen Zers, the young Gen Zers, they're coming in at a time, if you think about it, where student loans are about to be reactivated again. They had a brief hiatus where credit card debt is at an all-time high for the country, where buying a house is proving to be almost a luxury. I mean, buying a home has become a luxury. It's no longer what was almost a utility. It's now a luxury. You got rents at all-time highs. I mean, look at all these headwinds. The 25-year-old, the 20-year-old, the 28-year-old, the, the early 30-year-old, folks that are in the middle of the professional totem pole. Look at all the headwinds that are faced here. And those headwinds are only more convoluted and complicated by the stay-at-home parent entering the job force. You will see that storyline resonate and gain momentum, undoubtedly. Um, Bill McChesney, welcome to the show. Thank you kindly for joining us on today's program. Uh, I want to highlight, looks like a boatload of folks in Keswick, and in Troy, Virginia, watching the show, Fluvanna, Louisa, Green, Standardsville, and Orange, welcome to the program, as well as our friends in Buckhead, Georgia. Um, I talked 512 Ridge Street yesterday. If you want to put up a lower third for that there, J-Dubs. 512 Ridge Street, this is a great piece of information that uh, our, our fabulous listener, Deep Throat, shared with us yesterday. Tim Carson has this listing, and if any of that content from the listing you want to put on screen, that would be great. This, I think, might be priced pretty darn well. The piece of land on Ridge Street, a hop, skip, and a jump from the downtown mall, has an asking price of $1,125,000. $1,125,000. This piece of property can be chopped up into potentially 48 apartments or units without any rezoning once the new upzoning is approved. The value of this piece of property is the upside and the potential, what you can do from a construction standpoint. It's going to take someone with deep pockets to buy this because it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money to potentially... Um, carve out five to six lots, each one with eight units um, per lot, a potential 48 on there. If you want to get to maximum density, and that's what upzoning and rezoning wants, is maximum density, 48 units, that's going to cost a lot of money. But the upside is there. And I think Carson 
and his seller have priced this well at a million one two fifty. This one, while it's been on, it's been online for a, a few. It's been online for some time. The DOM is getting a bit long in the tooth. Once the momentum of upzoning and rezoning becomes a reality, this will move and this will trade. And whoever develops this, if they turn it into 48 units, you're looking at, I don't know, 2,000, 2,000 a month a unit, 2,000 a month times 48, you're looking at $96,000 a month in rent rolls. 96,000 a month times 12 months, a million 152,000 in rent roll in the first year once you get it online. Now it's going to cost you north of 10 million to make this a reality. Easily north of 10 million. But you're talking about making up your your money in potentially 8 to 10 years and after that it's a cash flowing asset. I think this is priced pretty darn well and the location you can't beat with its proximity to the downtown mall. And speaking of locations for development, is 512 Ridge Street one of the top five in the city? Perhaps. I mean, I think we got to call what Ludwig and Allen have at Ix Park, number one. 17 acres right off the downtown mall, much of it undeveloped land with a, with a brewery as its anchor tenant, a hop, skip, and a jump from the interstate, a hop, skip, and a jump from Wegmans, a hop, skip, and a jump from UVA Hospital, from Midtown, from the corner, from the downtown mall. We gotta say, right, that Ix Park is the top undeveloped piece of property in the city. 10.2 square miles, 17 acres right there. I don't think the land on High Street that the Woods had, that Bo Carrington was gonna develop, can be on this list anymore. It's pretty clear to me that Charlottesville City is going to purchase this and turn it into a park of some capacity. I think Chris Henry, what he has on Preston Plaza or on Preston with the, uh, the parking lots and Fifth Seasons Brewery and, and, the, um, and the thrift store and the, and the laundromat has got to be in the top five. Stony Point also owns Preston Plaza where Integral Yoga is located. I think we all realize that retail, especially retail that is a bit dilapidated and, and falling down, is not the future. I would imagine Preston Plaza is going to be dense apartments within the next five to seven years, especially with, with Stony Point, the, the muscle and effort behind that. You know, you, you got to wonder how much longer the city yard in the Star Hill neighborhood is going to be a aggregation of city equipment and trucks and and tools and storage i mean a city that's landlocked is utilizing a piece of land right in the heart of it to store equipment as opposed to offering it as housing fifeville is going to be completely different woodard anthony and keith did a hell of a job partnering with the fifeville neighborhood association for a a a vision for the IGA building, the old grocery store right there, I think you're going to see that turn into housing. In fact, it is. It's been a, it's, it's been greenlit into housing. Um, maybe you could say a couple of uh, plots in Belmont that are remaining vacant or have some old housing on it 
can turn it can be in the top five from a development standpoint. But the point is, there's not much left. There's not much left in the city. And one of the viewers and listeners of this talk show said, if you could purchase something in the Charlottesville city or the urban ring or across the Almoro County line in Almoro County, that is on the Ivy Road corridor, then you're sitting potentially on a gold mine because the University of Virginia is expanding that way and that clearly is turning into a, uh, a focal point for the $14, $15 billion endowment we call the foundation. And, and Bill, I agree, the city yard will have a massive EPA cleanup. I 100% agree with you. The city yard in Star Hill will have a massive EPA cleanup. We have no idea what is underground there with decades of storing vehicles and equipment and the pollution that gets into the ground um, with that kind of storage. But at this point, the city's running out of options. And it's taking another one of its options, the land by the Rivanna River on High Street, off the table. If the city purchases this from the woods and turns it into a park, it's literally sacrificing 250 apartments. And what is the city saying? City Hall, City Council, Planning Commission, stakeholders, we need more supply, we need more housing. Well, they're about to take a piece of property offline that would have yield 250 apartments. So eventually beggars cannot be choosers and when beggars can't be choosers that's when innovation becomes a reality and then that's when the market's going to force the the city yard to actually become something of merit because i don't think we realize or all believe that the city yard in its current form is its is its its future i think that's safe to say um i think that's another one the Staples Old Vinegar Hill is extremely low value right now. That would be something that, and that's from Anonymous on Twitter. That's in the top five as well. Staples, Judah, you were at Staples there, was it yesterday? Yep. Was there what? Three people in the store? Actually, it was... Uh, it's fairly were, busy? There were four or five groups of people at the uh, at the registers when I came in. When I left, it was... it had calm down okay so we're talking peak performance for an office supply store four to five people at one register i've been into staples a handful of times when i don't want to wait the two days to get something from prime for our office and i'll go into staples and i'll shop around and i'm legitimately the only person in that store also in that shopping center i believe is a montague miller um, real estate office Gerhardt's Chocolate is in that Staples Shopping Center. On the other side, Siren, Laura Fonder came on this show. That restaurant is currently closed. You have a Hunter Wyatt State Farm office. And I know for a fact Hunter Wyatt is doing a, a fair amount of things remote right now. So that office isn't even used for full capacity. What is that Vinegar Hill Staples Shopping Center most known for? I think it's most known for retail that is underperforming and vast parking lots that for the large part are empty. Another building is the one next to the Omni Hotel. It's kind of that beige brown building that looks like it's from 67 years ago. I believe it's the Citizens Building that there's there was a bank on the ground floor. I don't think that I think the bank is currently empty. I think that frankly is underperforming as well. I agree with him 
with Anonymous that that Staples footprint could be built into housing as well. So there's a few that I've rattled off for you. IGA is off the list. We know Anthony and Keith Woodard are doing affordability. They're trying to get some kind of co-op grocery store there. The music, center, uh, the music resource center moving there. The twice as nice thrift store moving there. Finally, that IGA grocery store is off the list of most developmental, most developable properties in the city. However, Ix Park is number one and still on there. Carson's Ridge Street is on there. Staples is undoubtedly on there. City Yard, I will continue to put the City Yard on there as something that could be something special. Fitzgerald Tire has got to be in the top 10. I don't think anyone thinks a tire replacement store with a million dollar asking price is, is the long-term future there, especially in downtown Belmont. Some points for you guys to consider at your next cocktail party. Um, we'll give some love to Skuma Boutique Dispensary for partnering with this show. Skuma is locally owned and operated. It's on the downtown mall. Skuma Boutique Dispensary. Certificates of authentication for everything in the store. And also Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine for being a partner of this program as well. Judah, why don't we go to the two shot and welcome Tanya King to the program. Tanya, you are now live on air and we're excited to catch up with you. Before we talk about uh, living free together, how about an introduction for you, Tanya? You're the executive director of this organization. What you love about the area, you said you've been here 17 years. What drove you to the area? And maybe some hobbies and some interests. Very good. So um, what I love about this area is um, that it is beautiful and that um, People are very driven by their passions. This is a, a town full of great ideas and amazing nonprofits. Um, and uh, Living Free Together is one of those nonprofits that is uh, that calls its home here. Um, I tried desperately to uh, find a nonprofit that could provide the services that we provide, um, and there weren't any. So that's why Living Free Together exists. Um, we are home to uh, just a huge number of retired veterans and active duty military um, that go very uh, much under the wire and unnoticed. So um, my uh, hobbies or my the things that I like to do are uh, be outdoors, hike, um, and then my background is in art, um, art teacher and painter. So um, that is me um, in a nutshell. Was it challenging? So you're, you, you launched a nonprofit that we're very excited to highlight. Was it challenging to launch a nonprofit in what appears to be the nonprofit epicenter uh, <laughs> in Charlottesville? We had Mayor Lloyd Snook on the program, and he said that um, there's quite a few nonprofits in this ecosystem. Now, I love the mission, and that's one of the reasons we're, we're highlighting here. We love to champion veterans and anyone that's, um, you know, worn a uniform to support the freedoms that we hold so dearly, including freedom of speech. I, I get to sit here 20 hours a week and essentially speak my mind, um, and that's because these veterans have fought for our rights and our freedoms here. But put in perspective launching a nonprofit in Charlottesville, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, yes. Well, I, I would have to say um, that it was honestly... Um, once uh, we had the idea, or once I had the idea and realized that 
the um, services uh, for military families uh, were not being provided here um, in, in the ways that were needed. Um, it was about five phone calls, um, and every single person I talked to said absolutely yes. Uh, awesome. Tell me the time and the place to show up. Um, and that included our first um, grant uh, funder, which was, oddly, a uh, foundation out of um, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, they were um, a community foundation that had had a large endowment that was earmarked for um, veterans and military families. And um, I called them up thinking that I was just going to find out about uh, when to send a grant proposal in, and they were in a board meeting, and I had no idea I was on speakerphone, and I told them my like pitch, my idea, and uh, a Gold Star mom from the back of the room, Gold Star mom is a mom who's lost a child uh, in combat, and I heard her speak up. She was pitching a different idea, and she said, if you have the money at all to fund that program, fund that program. And they covered all of our, our funds uh, or all of our funding needs for two years and then made a commitment to partially fund for a total of five. Wow. And we've been in existence for um, now eight. Um, and it's always been our dream, our, our drive to allow Charlottesville to embrace this um, this mission, this purpose of, of uh, our our nonprofit because um, these veterans have chosen to call Charlottesville home in the greater Charlottesville area home um, but also our active duty military families don't have a choice they get transferred here they are expected to stay here they come as families and until recently um, it was most uh, for most of them it was often the first time they had moved to a place without a base without the base services that you would have uh, and the support you would have in a normal base um, transfer. Uh, and it is very disorienting and difficult to assimilate into um, a community that uh, doesn't necessarily understand you or offer the kind of uh, services that you need. So that's what we do. On, you'll appreciate this. On Tuesday, we have Natalie Massery the new CEO of the Chamber of Commerce on the show, and retired Colonel Letty Bien yeah, on uh-huh. the show. And they're going to talk about the the military and the defense sector's impact on our local economy. A recent white paper characterized it as a $1.2 billion, with a B, economic impact per year. Um, retired Colonel Letty Bien has presented this analysis to the City Council of Charlottesville and the Board of Supervisors of Almoro County. A lot of stakeholders think that $1.2 billion impact is underestimated, that it's significantly higher. Um, How about this question for you? Can you put in perspective the amount, um, from a number standpoint, of retired military in the community? That is a a really hard question to answer because um, while we have some good numbers on military, active duty military, or 
our defense contractors, um, that is at least 5,000 in number. Um, our veterans, when they, uh, they leave service, um, many of them don't choose to register with the Veteran Affairs Administration. Huh. Therefore, communities like our, ours do not have a exact really counts. good count for uh-huh. them. Um, but uh, our census data from across the country tells us that that Virginia, and especially this area, is the third largest for retired military uh, to return to and make a life in. Third largest in third what? Third largest in the country. Third largest in the country? Mm-hmm. Wow, this area? Yes. Why do you think that is? Well, um, Virginia and the... the um, the states that border Virginia um, all house military bases. So if you have stayed in your 20 years, um, odds are you've made it home. You've made it. You've made it to Virginia at some point uh-huh. um, as you've been transferred around. Uh, and and the bases in Virginia are quite beautiful, um, and the communities are really special. And so we have a number of families that just make a note that they will come back and retire here. Um, and, and that phenomenon also happens in the Newport News and, and Virginia Beach area often as well. Um, I would say we have a number of, of veterans who go to the Northern Virginia area, and then once they've gotten their fill of the busy, then they make their ways into the, the, the less populated areas of Virginia, like oh. Charlottesville. I like it. I like yeah. it. So you guys are helping the Living Free, uh, Living Free Together, your nonprofit. She's the executive director. You're helping veterans and military families in the Charlottesville area, let's see, um, assimilate, manage, um, digest um, aspects of life like human connection, um, returning into the professional ecosystem. Um, the emotional and physical challenges of going from active duty to being retired and maybe not having the structure Mm -hmm. or the support that was once there during an active duty setting. Um, Put that in perspective for us. Yes, you nailed it. Um, I think I'm just going to carry you around to all of my meetings. Um, Yeah, so what we like to say is uh, that Living Free Together exists to engage, um, enrich, and empower military families um, and individuals uh, who who have served in the military, empowers them to to create a life um, that is fulfilling for them and so that they can thrive in this area and uh, really give back and contribute. in the best ways that they know how. Um, The military uh, trains uh, their servicemen and women so well, and they are so well equipped for the jobs that they're given in the military. Um, It is not the military's job to teach them how to be civilians. I truly believe that is the community's job to help them um, transition into that life. Uh, And it is is very difficult um, because you often go into the military at 18 and you exit at 40 (laughs) 
And so you've missed a few things here and there about civilian life. You've gained a lot of experience. You've gained a lot of appreciation for life. You've gained a lot of skills. Um, but um, there are some things about living um, in a non-military structured world um, that make it difficult. Um, so, and it's difficult not just for the service member, it's difficult for the families. Um, spouses often serve as well, um, but uh, for spouses who are not in a service position in a branch of service and their dependents, every time they move into a base, they have this like pre-existing community that understands them completely that supports them totally, um, that would die for them truly. And uh, then they, they um, exit and they find themselves in a community like Charlottesville or somewhere else and no one even notices them. And it's, uh, it's incredibly um, disheartening. So Living Free Together um, exists uh, to assist with that through uh, lots of different programming throughout the year. We do year-round programming on, um, just like you said, some behavioral training, um, skill building, enrichment. We have fun together. Uh, we usually meet on a Monday night, which Mondays are, not, are usually not people's favorite day. Mm -hmm. um, I would say our participants come to love Mondays because it's usually a party day. We come together, we have dinner, and then uh, we have different classes. Uh, maybe we build things um, together. Um, maybe we do yoga, uh, learn how to play the guitar. Uh, we've had dance classes. But all of these, these are all creative ways to get to the same outcome, and that is helping families grow together in new ways, helping um, couples understand each other better, um, helping individuals uh, recognize what they value, what their goals are, and then giving them the support to really move forward toward those goals. We've also expanded, I, I mentioned before, um, that we have uh, always desired for Charlottesville to really embrace this work, um, and not just with Living Free Together. There are a lot of veteran-focused organizations in town and, uh, and I would love for Charlottesville to embrace those as well. Um, but most people don't know. They don't know what they don't know. So uh, we've expanded into uh, a more awareness um, aspect uh, of, our, of our outreach and fundraising. And so we have some things coming up for uh, the regular Charlottesvillians and regular Greene County residents and Nelson County residents. Uh, and all those in between and, and surrounding to come in and, and really support our veteran community. Um, we're also expanding um, to reach out to our first responder communities, our law enforcement officers. Um, the last uh, five, six years have been very difficult on that, um, that community of people and they're facing the same issues um, that our veterans are facing as they um, come home or come back from um, different deployments. I was talking, uh, well, many veterans find their way into service um, 
service in different ways in, in their communities post military service. Um, Is that law enforcement? It law enforcement, okay. firefighters, EMTs. Um, What's the percent? Is there a percentage? There probably is, but I don't know it. I wish I could say yeah. it. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, but I do know quite a few, uh, uh, specifically firefighters, um, who are veterans here in um, Charlottesville. And um, and they explained it to me that that their life is, is uh, very much like they're on a very long deployment these uh. days. And so um, they don't talk about it a lot, and they don't – I think it's like a merry-go-round you just don't know how to get off of. Um, and so in our, in our coming year, uh, starting September 18th, actually, um, we are partnering with the Veteran Affairs Administration to offer um, what we're calling uh, buddy battle training. Um, and it is free. And it is for our military, our first responders, and those who love them, adults, please, um, to come and be trained about how to, um, how to be helpful and supportive to, to veterans and first responders, uh, your buddies, um, that may be experiencing different crises, mental health crises, family crises, financial crises, um, we'll be doing uh, walking through their save program um, it is September is suicide awareness month and we're jumping uh, two feet in uh, with our new fit program which is um, it means mentally fit uh, with the intent to thrive and um, so we are excited about this um, at living free together uh, there's no problem we can't solve without facing it honestly and without having a friend st stand next to you. So um, we're excited for it. So that's September 18th, and uh, then we'll follow up with September 25th, and uh, it'll be great. More details on the website and, uh, and specifics to come. So, Do you have a, uh, a personal tie or a personal story that you can relay? Well... I come from a, a, a long line of pastors and teachers. That's that's my background. Um, so the reason this this came about was that um, my best friend's uh, husband uh, was active duty and was deployed to Iraq before we um, we had declared war, and that was a very difficult time. Um, as you can imagine, she had two young kids, and um, I was far away. They were stationed elsewhere, and I watched them navigate that, and by the grace of God, he came home um, fully intact um, physically, uh, but there were, there were problems, uh, things that come up because um, war is hell. And um, the reactions that our minds have to these experiences, that our bodies have to these experiences, these are natural reactions to a high level of crisis. And so um, in his context, he was, uh, he was functioning pretty well um, for a long time. And then 
things got sideways. Uh, and over the years, I guess it was probably 10 or 12 years later, um, there were just all kinds of communication issues and mis uh, misunderstandings that were really um, causing rifts, causing um, uh, a breakdown between the relationship in the marriage relationship, but also in the, the relationship between um, parents and children. And I started looking for resources for them and then I started, I got really interested because there were no resources for them where they were in Nevada. And I started looking at resources that were available for military families here because I knew we had so many and there were no resources here. And, um, and that burden just kept me up at night. We've sent uh, close to 4 million uh, servicemen and women into combat since, um, since 2001. And um, we should be doing better at um, walking with our servicemen and women as they face the issues that come up from service. So there wasn't a thing, so now there's a thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Do you, how do you, um, as an executive director, I feel like you're wearing the hat of a visionary, of an entrepreneur, of a nonprofit um, head, of a small business person, mm -hmm. of a scheduler, an organizer. I mean, put your day to day in perspective. Oh, wow. Well, I have my um, actual job that pays me. That's my that's my pretty much full time job, and then I uh, on my days off, I'm the executive director of Living Free Together, um, and at night I'm you know sending emails and things. I have a great board. Um, they uh, they are lifesavers, and they pitch you know hit for me when I can't make different meetings and things like that. Um, and I have an assistant. I have a, a programs assistant now. Um, she is actually um, she's actually the reason I started this. She uh, she's my childhood best friend and uh, and the wife of um, the service member I was talking about. Um, and uh, sh they moved here. They retired and moved here, like so many, <laughs> and are making their life here in Charlottesville. Um, so. She is a uh, the the spouse of a veteran and the proud mom of uh, an active duty army uh, service person. So, um, yeah, we together, all of us are are making it happen. We also um, are a part of a Synapse networking group, uh, which Synapse is a business networking. Uh, system, I guess, here uh, and in the Richmond area, and um, everyone in that networking group um, has an affinity um, for the issues of the veteran, um, or they own, they are veterans themselves, or employ veterans, or run organizations that are veteran-focused, and so every two weeks, we get together and have um, a big you know, powwow and support each other, and it's just been really great. How can the community help you even more? 
Well, uh, we have some events coming up. If, uh, if the community likes to, uh, to party and dance, uh, we have a, uh, the Standardsville Stomp coming up. We know that there are a lot of um, veterans and first responders moving into the Greene County area. As you said before, Albemarle and Charlottesville um, Become prices cost prohibitive. Yes, yeah. are, are going sky high. So um, our active duty military families uh, and our veterans are often finding other options like moving to Greene County. So we are having a, um, a country music themed um, party on September 23rd. It is a Saturday from 4.30 to 8.30. Uh, tickets are on sale right now on our website and um, at monticellomedia.com on the CYK Country Music Station website. Nice. Uh, and those are $10 and $5, $10 for adults, $5 for kids. Uh, there will be line dancing uh, instruction. Uh, the Virginia Reel is going to be danced. Um, and music uh, with big country entertainment um, all four hours. Barbecue, beer, wine, the whole nine yards. It's going to be great. And then in November, to celebrate um, Veterans Day, uh, we will be uh, out at Blue Ridge School uh, doing a rock, Rock the Ridge. It's the second annual Rock, rock the Ridge. Um, a rock is pretty much the military's way of ruining a nice hike through the woods. Ah. So, <laughs> so uh, for those of you who have some um, experience with military training, you will know that a rock is a, uh, a hike where you are wearing a weighted vest um, and you it is often used um, with a unit or a battalion that um, that has one last thing to do together to prove that they are up for the challenge and so um, often it is a grueling event that leaves a big mark uh, in your memory because Typically, in that training session, there's a moment when you don't think you can make it. Um, and then you look around, and you know you can because these people that are with you are going to see to it that you make it. Um, so it is in that spirit that we are offering this Ruck the Ridge Challenge. And uh, we are um, partnering with um, the, I don't know if you remember, but the um, gauntlet race that the law enforcement officers oh, yeah. foundation used yeah. to do. So many of their obstacles will be in our um, course. Uh, there are also um, obstacles along the way. You can wear a weighted pack. You do not have to wear a weighted pack. You can um, do the challenges of the obstacles, or you can walk around them. It is entirely up to you. All we ask is that you do a little bit more than you normally would. We ask that you challenge yourself in honor of those who serve us daily, whether they be our veterans or our first responders. I sensed uh, some emotion there. Absolutely. Um, this group is um, very close to my heart. Um, I, I respect that. I can tell that uh, this is your passion. Um, and, and I feel a similar way with what we do around here. Has the um, where do you want to see where do you want to see things go? Like I, I can already tell that you're very 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 goal oriented. What do you want to see with living free together? Say five years from now. 
Five years from now, I would love uh, for anyone who, any military family who comes to town, I would love to hear their neighbor or uh, a fellow church member or a, an employee, not an employee, but a, a co-worker, I would love for them to say, hey, you used to serve in the military, um, you got to hear about this thing. Um, you need to go to this thing. You need to be a part of this thing. Um, so far, we're the best kept secret in Charlottesville. Um, but I'd love to see that change um, because uh, these men and women are our future. Um, they have so much to give to Charlottesville and the surrounding areas, big ideas, um, big hearts, uh, and and they need uh, they need a friend. They need somebody to stand with them and, and walk beside them. And I would love uh, in five years for every business owner and every civilian in Charlottesville to be willing to be that person. Put in uh, perspective one of your success stories. Ah. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think my, uh, my favorite success story is also a really good friend of mine um, who, uh, who served as uh, a Marine and retired um, after uh, a full service there as a as an officer and um he was he and his wife and family were struggling with understanding how to understand each other uh, they came to the charlottesville area as many do as um uh, a government contractor where uh, this service member was doing much of what he had done with the military but as a civilian uh, so that that's also disorienting by the way um to continue to do your job but not have that camaraderie, I guess, uh, that the military brings with it. And so they were having a lot of trouble connecting in this new life. Uh, and uh, she was um, very interested in him coming with her to our programs, and he had no interest at all. Um, well, he finally did, and now he is uh, the secretary and treasurer of our board. Um, the uh, most vocal spokesperson um, for advertising uh, what we are able to share with military families, people like him, uh, people that just need um, just need a little bit of a, a readjustment, an understanding word. So he's my he's my uh, my favorite success story, John Brueggemann. I love it. Um, how about you offer some perspective on how we can connect with you guys, donate, um, help in any capacity to the viewers and listeners? Well, you can always go online to um, our website, which is livingfreetogether.org, and 2, T-O, is replaced with the number 2. Um, but also you can look at online at ruktheridge.com, uh, and it's just all one word, ruktheridge.com. Both sites will tell you a little bit about what we do and why. It will give you some perspective about um, how to maybe um, share resources with military families you may work with or come in contact with. Um, we would love for you to volunteer with us. Uh, military families are always so surprised when civilian people want to be their friend <laughs> and want to sit down and have a regular conversation with them that doesn't involve hey where were you stationed and how many people did you kill like that's that's not a topic they want to talk about they want to talk about soccer and where their kids go to school and what you know what tv shows they're watching and um 
they they really enjoy um, getting to know people that have a different experience. So um, please do that. Reach out. Um, and then, of course, uh, come and participate in our um, programs and, and fun things that we have for our uh, community members. Um, and, of course, you can also donate online anytime you like um, through uh, DonorBox PayPal. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love what you're doing. Um, I see so much success for you guys in the uh, future as you continue outreach and fundraising and awareness and connection. The website is livingfreetogether.org. It's the number two in place of T-O, so livingfreetogether.org. I'm on the website now. All the details you need right there. We'll continue to try to highlight the, uh, the impact of active and retired military on the program in an interview next Tuesday with Natalie Mastery and retired Colonel Letty Bean on the program. Um, Tanya, thank you for joining us. Thank you so, so much. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Um, Judah Wickcower, the director. Uh, my name is Jerry Miller. Back in the saddle at 10.15 a.m. tomorrow for Real Talk, then 12.30 with the I Love Seville show. Um, all we're trying to do, guys, is spotlight the, uh, the positivity and the hope and the opportunity and the upside that is Charlottesville and Central Virginia. You know, we've, a good example of this is the, uh, the partnership with the Charlottesville Police Department. You know, I think it's time we buck the trend or buck the stigma that the police is not cool. The police in my book is so cool. And we need to support this department like we support our veterans. And the Charlottesville Police Department needs our help in filling some of these gaps on their, uh, their roster uh, with personnel. Judah Wickhauer, Tanya King, Jerry Miller, the I Love Seville Show on a Thursday. See you tomorrow, guys, at 10.15. Take care. Awesome. Well, you were awesome. Thank you. Good question.